Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Ed Lay's constant craving to find the answer to helping people recover from injuries, deal with stress, and lose weight more easily and more quickly has led to him becoming a real one-of-a-kind personal trainer. He has cleverly combined his knowledge and experience in sports conditioning, coaching, and rehabilitation with neuroscience to come up with a dynamic and fresh training program. And I've been a victim, I can tell you it's pretty impressive. Frustrated with only helping people treat their symptoms, he delved deeper into the world of neuroscience and his research has led him to discover the importance of the balance between the body and the mind. Parallels with business as well, of course. He now helps people find this balance and is constantly focused on helping CEOs in particular optimize their physical and mental performance. He's here to tell us about the winning formula. And as I've already alluded to, this is somebody who I met many years ago, didn't I, Ed? And uh, you put me through one of the most grueling personal training sessions I've ever encountered. In fact, I think I'm still recovering. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast, Mr. Ed Lay. Um, thank you very much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, really, uh, really privileged to, to be on and uh, excited to see where this goes. I've listened to a couple of the podcasts and uh, found them really entertaining. So um, hopefully this one will be too. Well, it will, because you've got an amazing CV, which I don't think we can possibly dissect in half an hour, but we'll do our absolute best. So um, before we start looking at um, your move to Copenhagen, that's a bit radical, uh, and, you know, you've worked with CEOs and teams in New York and Edinburgh and London, Dubai and various other places. So loads to find out about you. Let's start with the obvious uh, starting point, I guess, with a question that this neuroscience, this neuroscience research about how the mind affects the body's performance. And I know that's a very open ended question, but there's a few places we're going to go with this. Ed. So just 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 set the scene, if you would, between that that connection between mind and, and body in, in terms of the results that you're finding with the people you work with? Well, um, to take you back to kind of the uh, epiphany moment for me, I was, it was years ago and I, I hadn't long opened up my own premises, but, uh, but I was busy very quickly because I kind of built up this consultancy business before then. And, and I was sat down with a, with a lawyer who was, I don't know, a little bit older than me, mid forties perhaps. And he was telling me that he was overweight and that he was stressed and had stopped exercising and was just feeling low and lethargic and all of those things. And I didn't actually need his custom, which was kind of a new sort of experience for me. And because of that, I just I dug a bit deeper into the conversation because I was, I was no longer trying to convince anybody. And what um, he started telling me was all of the stuff that he used to do. So he used to lift weights and he used to run a lot and I used to eat really well and he didn't used to drink. And we kind of went into a bit more detail and it was clear that he already knew what he needed to do. So I said to him, okay, so 
Um, as far as I was concerned at the time, I was a knowledge worker, right? I knew more stuff. And granted, I probably did know more stuff than him, but he knew a whole ton of stuff that he just wasn't doing. So I said, why, why is it that you're not doing those things? And he said, well, it's because I lack the willpower. I need you to hold me accountable to force me to do it. And this was kind of an epiphany moment for me. And I just started asking all of my current clients, every one of my gym members, I had some companies send out emails. Do you struggle knowing what to do or do you struggle getting yourself to do it? And I asked it in the areas of stress and sleep and nutrition and exercise. And it came back. 90% of people knew what they needed to do. They just couldn't get themselves to do it. And it was that that kind of opened up the journey for me into neuroscience and and actually the eventual discovery that everything that happens in the body is a side effect of something going on in the brain so we only digest our food properly if our brain has us operating from the right side of our nervous system um, as in the correct side of it uh, for digestion and uh, we experience more pain if we are constantly stuck in the sympathetic branch of our nervous system, which is kind of like the fight or flight branch. And, and what I was finding slowly was that pretty much every symptom that we're experiencing and every action that we're doing isn't a result of anything other than something that's going on in our brain. And if we want to change our behavior, we need to look at what's going on in the brain that's causing that behavior, not try and force the behavior into our life or out of our life. Gosh, you've said some, you've said a lot of stuff there that's going to resonate with so many people. Um, I'm going to, if I may, share with everyone listening, and there's a good number, let me tell you, I'm very pleased to say, uh, share with them a, an email you sent to me in preparation for today's podcast. And uh, it goes along the lines of, since moving here, Copenhagen, I've taken great steps to fully embody the freedom and values driven uh, in life that help my clients to create whatever that means to them. Uh, and you use your example of picking up and dropping off your kids every day. You've had a total of seven months off work. You've been skiing four times to France seven times, uh, away for weeks in the summer. And you've also talked about uh, spending the time reading, meditating, exercising, learning, and, and, and kind of taking in nature every single day that is an extraordinary achievement for a somebody so young and i use the word young because you're quite a lot younger than me um so you are not just uh talking about these things ed to your clients but you are actually living them so i'm really uh, keen to understand how you made that mental shift take into account all those things that you've just said about the power of the brain and the functions of it and how you control it and so on um I'm really interested to know how you made that transition from the guy I met uh, in a gym in Bath many years ago, and then all of a sudden here you are uh, running a very successful business, but also living what for most of us would be a dream. So how, how did all that happen? Was that a, was that it, was it a question of you kind of overcoming those challenges for yourself? Is it a, is it a long-winded process? How did all that happen? <laughs> That's an excellent question and so many possible ways into it. So um, I'm 
I guess I will start with um, the the initial thing was the this discovery around the the, the neuroscience and, and the digestive system and, and food is a really good place to start with it. So uh, what I discovered was that the, if you are in the sympathetic branch of your nervous system, you're in a fight, flight, or freeze kind of state, and what this means is that your uh, brain is activating the sympathetic branch of your nervous system so it's activating your muscles it's um it's sending cortisol out into your bloodstream and some sugar out so that you can act and basically act with your most accurate and powerful and um you can be really kind of responsive and reactive to save your life and if you're in this branch of your nervous system there is no digestion occurring okay because your brain has shut those processes off. Future processes like digestion and repair and memory consolidation aren't accessible. And if you're in your parasympathetic nervous system, you're like chilled out and you relax and you're thinking slowly and you're mulling things over and you're kind of just kind of being and you're relaxed. And that's not a great place to be if you're driving a car, but it's a great place to be if you want to digest your food. So if I'm, let's say, my environment has at the moment in it, it's got my coffee machine, I've got my computer in front of me, I've got my phone in front of me, and I know that I'm talking to thousands of people, right? So I'm in the sympathetic branch of my nervous system. So if I were to eat something now, I wouldn't digest it. But if I were to hang up the phone and walk home and relax a little bit and just be with my family and then eat my food, I would digest that food optimally. So I would take the most amount of nutrients out of that food. So I would need less food. I would, wouldn't get sick because my digestive system's working properly. So the lesson you take away from that, or the lesson I take away from that is the thing, it's not, life isn't about what you're doing. It's about who you're being while you're doing and that works in the context of food, but it also works in the context of conversations. And it, it also works in the context of sleep. And it works in the context of exercise. And, you know, my business is grown based on the quality of the conversations that I have with people and how present I am with those conversations and how much I listen inside those conversations. It's not about how many of them I have. It's about how good they are. And when I realized that it's about who I'm being rather than what I'm doing, I started bringing that into my whole life. Because if I don't exercise on a daily basis, I know that that's one of the ingredients that makes me worse at being who I want to be. So it was illogical to not have exercise in my daily life. And then I started applying that to all of these details. And granted, I did sell my gym in the UK and... Uh, create enough money and have enough clients to be able to take a year off when I moved here. But when I took that year off, I just kind of really, really took the time, um, probably about an hour every day to reflect on everything that I wanted in my life and everything that I didn't want in my life and started integrating all of the past fears and insecurities and failures and I can'ts and I shoulds into who I am and built this whole life around me from there based on some 
guiding values and principles now that I carry forward into everything so that it's a really clear, clear decision for me when someone says, will you do this? I know if it's a hell yes or a no immediately based on will I trade it for this other thing that I've already got in my life? You know what? Um, it, it's rare uh, when I'm chatting to somebody on a podcast, uh, Ed, where I kind of hear that strap line that we use for social media purposes, but I've already heard it today. It's not about what you're doing, but who you're being. I absolutely love that. I'm going to have to write that down somewhere and probably save it and review it every single day, which leads me nicely, actually, uh, to another thing that you said, where I paraphrase for a second, something like, I haven't got an hour. Well, you, you know, you said, I take an hour out in the day. And that's, I mean, we would, we would all say that's very, very commendable. Well done, Ed. But you're working with a group of people, typically CEOs, and surely their starting position is, but I haven't got an hour, Ed. That's what we hear, isn't it, in the way of excuse. I'm really interested to know, therefore, why you opened yourself up for the obvious challenge of working with that one group of people where time was probably the biggest challenge. And so my question really is, why did you choose CEOs specifically and why did you decide they would be your kind of ideal target market? Is it because everyone else leaves them alone because they don't think they can help them? Or did you think you could create something of much, much more value for that group than perhaps others? Yeah, well, um, first and foremost, I um, ask CEOs for 30 minutes um, of their time a day um, to do the work. And, and also, I ask them to spread that out across the day. And we kind of that's like a, a pre-agreement um, before before any kind of engagement is taken on, they, they have to agree to a series of things. And one of those is the, is finding 30 minutes a day. And if they can't, I tend to take them away to my summer house for, the, for a full day because a CEO who can't find an hour quite often can find a day. It's just the way that their, their uh, inability to say no <laughs> um, often impacts. But um, why CEOs? Well, when I opened up my gym 2011, it was in Bristol Business Quarter, and I had the big four accountancy firms, the top law firms in the country and the city, and um, some of the big banks. So most of my clients were CEOs or partners, and um, that was just coincidence. But something that I really noticed was that when their um, staff became members of my gym and some of them, some of their senior staff would become clients, I would be able to tell who they worked for, who their direct partner was and what company they were from quite often, largely based on how stressed they were. I started noticing this huge ripple effect. You know, I could help Kenny, the copy guy, and he wouldn't be able to pay me very much money. And if I made his life better, I might help him, maybe his wife and kids. And that would be four people that had that ripple effect. Or I could find the guy with the larger disposable income or the woman at the larger disposable income at the top of the company and have a ripple effect right the way down through the company. Yeah, because stress goes one way. And if the person at the top of the company is chronically stressed and overwhelmed and um, using operating from that stress, it's spreading a ripple effect of fear 
throughout the company and onto their partners and onto their partners' children or onto their children and so on and so forth. So if I'm going to, if I've got enough time, let's say, to drop 10 bombs a week to have the most amount of damage, then I'm going to drop them on CEOs because it's just going to have the largest ripple effect. Yeah, that's very interesting, actually. Uh, I must admit, I've not really thought about it that way before. So um, a question very well answered. Um, so then typically, what, what are those small changes? And it was uh, this is something that resonates with me when you said, uh, I often find that my clients can't find an hour, but they can find a day, which is extraordinary. And that is absolutely true. Most of the, the CEOs and business owners I know find it very difficult to, to grab a small window during the day, but can, can sometimes take a day off, you know, to concentrate on something. Um, so what, what typically then, Ed, are the small changes that you make to help people's lifestyles change or improve that end up, in your experience, having the biggest impact? Well, um, this goes back to um, the answer I said earlier that was everybody already knows what to do. They just can't get themselves to do it. And so the first thing that I do is we, we look at every area of, the, of people's lives and we start getting really specific in those areas as to what is actually going on that isn't working. And then rather than working out what we're going to introduce, we work out what we're going to stop doing. And it, this frees up time and it frees up stress and, and overwhelm very, very quickly. And then from there, it isn't so much about all of the things that we're going to introduce into somebody's life. It's about creating prediction and response and creating more clarity around all of the things that tend to derail them and tend to slow them down. Because if somebody's coming to me and saying, hey, I could use your help, then it's because they are feeling stuck, overwhelmed and stressed and can't get themselves to do the thing that they believe they need to do next, right? If you were just going, right, so um, here's what I do for my health and here's what I do for my mental health and my relationships and my children and my friendships and my purpose and my business and my finances and here's what I'm doing now and here's what I'm going to do next and all of that's going fine and everything's brilliant and i see the see how i'm growing then nobody's going to come to me and say hey could you help me with that it's because of this overwhelm that somebody is coming to me so i'm helping them remove all of these things from their life so they can feel how they want to feel so then they can be who they want to be mm. how uh, as a personal trainer um who's run their gym very successfully in bristol and then obviously latterly with the work that you do as you've described with CEOs, um, I think I'm right in saying statistically uh, something like 50% of the, those people who decide on the 1st of January uh, New Year's resolution uh, to go to the gym and say lose a bit of weight or get fit, they've normally fallen off the wagon by about the 17th of the month and 75% is the number by the end of the month. Why is it therefore? Because you've mentioned accountability. Um, what's the importance of accountability and, and why is it that it works so extraordinarily well to have somebody waiting at a gym for you seems to motivate you somehow. Uh, whereas you can't be bothered to get out of bed and, uh, and put your training shoes on and get to the gym when there isn't somebody waiting for you. So, you know, is there evidence that supports the fact that accountability works and if so, why? Um, there is evidence that supports that accountability works 
if you like the person that you spend time with and uh, and you are, you want to go and spend time with that person and there are benefits thereafter. But um, one of the primary reasons I've moved away from personal training and, and into um, coaching is because most of the time when I have this conversation with people and say, hey, do you want to see me? twice a week for the rest of your life because you can't get yourself to consistently do this stuff on your own the answer is is frequently well actually no that's not what i want i want to have the result but i lack the willpower um in order to do it so here's uh, here's the way we look at things as we go uh, here's the action that i need to be doing um, or the action that I'm not doing and I need someone or some way of forcing me to do that. So um, so that's why we hire someone to kind of stand next to us and, 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 and do that because we wouldn't do it on our own. Granted, there are, there is a portion of the population that are like, I've got the disposable money and it's good fun and someone's going to take the thought out of that for me. And I did have some of those people and and I would I think that you probably fell into that category as well to a certain extent. Um, but um, our actions are determined by our inner dialogue and our inner dialogue is determined by our thoughts and our thoughts are determined by our feelings and our feelings are are kind of caused by our environment and our environment holds associations from the past so what i do is help people not try and um, use accountability or willpower or motivation to change their action but use curiosity to look at these associations from the past and then when we create a clear picture of those associations from the past the need for willpower and accountability just goes away and the natural next step just naturally just emerges yeah so i've always adopted this position ed where i use physical fitness as a means to get mentally fit so uh, to clarify that i will go in the gym and that's my my you know one can hardly call it meditation but it is my time where i just kind of disappear from the outside world and i just kind of i i've got the time not necessarily to, to reflect i don't do a lot of thinking in there but it's just my, I don't know, it's my its my still time, my quiet time when everything kind of shuts down. Um, what you're doing now, though, you've moved, if I may use this analogy, you've moved from physical fitness to create mental fitness. You've approached it the other way around, where it's now much more about get mentally fit in order to become more physically fit. And I use the word physical in a, in a very broad sense because obviously uh, that isn't just about um physiological changes in your body this is about you know your working environment your relationships with other people being a better boss dad mother whatever it happens to be uh, is, is that is that a good way of describing what you do yes absolutely although um i do have a physical um element to it as well but um that is uh, based around a, a neuroscience approach and then working out more deeply what's going on in the body. So, um, so uh, we have a, a thing in the, the medical world that, that is kind of transferred over to the rest of the world that's essentially what you would call reductionism. So uh, reductionism is uh, my foot hurts, therefore I've got a foot problem. 
And that might be true if you sprained your ankle or dropped something on your foot. But the rest of the time, you've got a nervous system that runs throughout your whole body and the whole thing communicates with each other. So essentially, you've got some sort of a problem somewhere but you don't necessarily know if it's in your foot. And we also use exercise to say, um, I have a, a, a fat problem, let's say, so I'm going to do exercise. And it's, I have a, I have stomach fat, so I'm going to do stomach exercises. Um, because we pulled the whole body apart and went, okay, so this does this and this does this and this does this. We've kind of created this reductionism system where we think this thing fixes this thing. So nobody ever thinks of exercise or they're starting to exercise is good for the, the mind. And actually our whole body is, is one. So I look deeper. So I look at people's inside the body. We look at lymphatic system, which runs throughout the whole body and removes waste so if your body removes waste more effectively, you have more energy, you get less sick less often. And we look at digestion and how well you're absorbing things. Um, we look at senses. So um, your inner ear determines your balance and coordination and timing and, and your eyesight. And all of the information that comes in through your senses is interpreted through your brain and then your brain responds so if you can improve the quality of the information coming in, you improve the quality of the information coming out. So our flexibility isn't a product of the length of our muscles, as people have always said. It's, it's a measure of how safe your brain feels. And if you increase the level of safety in your brain, you increase your flexibility in 10 seconds rather than through stretching over years. So that leads then to another point, which um, I think dovetails really well, well with some of the things that have already been said. Uh, we are all aware that mental health has become much more widely talked about, thankfully, over the last few years in particular. So how does your kind of training, I'll use that word loosely, but how does the work that you do with people uh, help that mental health issue process? Because, you know, many of us, You've talked about uh, stress. You've talked about um, culture in, in the workplace, um, building strong relationships, direction, focus, strategy, clarity, all those things. Um, how does the work you do help, help people mentally uh, in terms of their own well-being? Well, if we look at um, a, a law that everyone has heard of, the, the law of cause and effect, and the law of cause and effect says that if we are experiencing an effect, let's say um, poor mental health, we can probably define that feeling more clearly. And that feeling for us has ingredients. And if we can pull out those ingredients, just like spaghetti bolognese, if you don't have the ingredients in the house, you can't make it. So um, some of those ingredients, let's say, um, might be that you're not breathing properly. And because you're not breathing properly, you have too much carbon dioxide, just like you would if you held your breath. And that is quite stressful. If you try and hold your breath and you didn't even know that you were holding your breath or you went into a room that had high carbon dioxide, 
that that becomes stressful. In fact, um, some friends of mine have developed a technology now that they put into rooms and find that an average size room that has enough space for a table and six people in it, within one hour meeting, the carbon dioxide levels are so high that all of those people should be um, are chronically sort of toxic internally and would be stressed and anxious as a result of that. So um, first and foremost, I test people for what's going on in your internal environment, in your body, that would be causing the, these mental health things. And then what? Um, then we start picking apart all of the past things and all of the negative language that you use and negative thoughts. And rather than saying those things are bad, we start asking them what they're actually trying to communicate because all they're really doing is they're being triggered by associations from the past of things that you've been told to be true or things that you perceive to be true. So we pull those out and start looking at what they're trying to teach us and where they're true and where they're not true. And whether they're useful or not, and what we can learn from them. And then when we build that 360-degree picture, all of these mental health things that are diagnoses, just because the world loves diagnoses, um, rather than just going, I don't feel good at the moment, I need to look at how I'm causing that, um, Those, all of those things just naturally go away. And uh, I have to ask you this question, Ed because you'll, you'll be well-versed in, in this and have a good deal of experience. You see it every day. Is, in your opinion, there a direct link between stress and illness in society? Are we more aware of it? Is there, is there more of it? I mean, I, it's, it's awful, but I see, we seem to hear more and more and more um, stories about people with cancers and all sorts of other illnesses. Now, whether that's social media and the fact that information is easy to access, that, that must have a, a part to play. But it does seem to me that people who are living their lives faster now seem to be getting ill more regularly. Um, in your experience, is there a direct link between stress and illness? And if so, are there things we can do to avoid such things? Well, um, if we define stress as the uh, body operating from the sympathetic nervous system, um, which basically means it's focused on what it needs to do to survive in this moment rather than rest, digest, repair, and memory consolidation. We know for a fact that that's a thing, right? We also know that if you are chronically stressed, i.e. you are permanently operating from the sympathetic nervous system, then um, your parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest, essentially goes into a coma. So it you can be in it, but not very deeply, and it doesn't work very well. So if you if you imagine that um, you're you drive ten thousand miles a day, uh, your body, and at night it has it does all of the repair work, and maybe in the evening when you're oh maybe first thing in the morning it does all of that repair work. Yeah. And now you decide that you're no longer going to go to the garage. You don't go to the garage. So what we know is that if you are chronically stressed, there is no repair, there's no digestion, there's no memory consolidation, and you don't get proper sleep. So um, you get all of the side effects that come with those things, like your body storing more fat, your body not removing waste, your body not repairing. 
you also get, and so you get more tendency towards illness. You also get an immune system that says, I'm fed up, just like a person does when your, your immune system actually says, I've had enough and stops operating properly. On top of that, we medicate our stress because we don't like feeling that way. And we medicate those things with cigarettes, alcohol, sleeping pills, pornography, um, exercise, all sorts of things that make us feel differently to how we want to feel. And those medications that we use can quite often cause illness as well. So we that's kind of like where we are with it. Some people are starting to narrow down to particular things, traumas that will happen in childhood that will re result in autoimmune diseases. Um, but that's kind of probably beyond the purview of this podcast. Gosh, I'm, I'm writing notes here at a rate of knots. Um, and where half an hour has gone, I have absolutely no idea. But I do have to ask you this question because there will be lots of people wanting to connect with you, Ed, and find out more about what you do because it is extraordinarily fascinating. So how do we find out more about Ed Lay? So uh, website, social media, uh, is there a book written or is there one being written or is there anything that we need to know that we don't already as to how we might communicate with you? Uh, well, uh, the place I'm most active is on LinkedIn. So that's a place to go. My name is spelled E-D-L-E-Y, Ed Lay. Um, so LinkedIn is a great place to find me. I have a website that is ed at edlay.net. I've written a couple of books but um, they are uh, they're probably out of date for, for what I'm doing. One of them is a children's book um, based around uh, nutrition. And then the other one's called um, Fit for Business, which is um, something I wrote back in 2011, which is um, which is kind of targeted at, uh, at the same audience, but it isn't quite so much about the brain, although there are things in there about habits and stuff. A children's book. I did not know that. Isn't it amazing to find out on these podcasts? Okay, <laughs> final question, Ed. Uh, take into account all that you've learned in your relatively short life, but uh, loads and loads of experience. Um, if, a, if a younger version of you asked you for you know, a simple mantra, a philosophy, some guidance on how they might find their way in life, what one piece of advice, given all you know now, would you give to that person? I would say um, that to have the happiness, fulfillment and success that you want, you don't have to be more than you are. You just have to integrate all of the past fears, security, insecurities and beliefs into who you are now. Well, there's, there's two strap lines now. I'm going to be really confused as to which one we use when we promote this podcast. Um, <laughs> what, what can I say? I've, I've learned a, an absolute ton, and I've also learned more about you than I ever thought I, I knew before and was going to know. So thank you for being so, um, so open. It really is extraordinary what you're doing. And uh, I, for one, will be asking you to uh, lend me some of your time. Well, not lend. I'm perfectly happy to pay for it. Um, to have some of your time to, to find out more about what you do and, and personally benefit. So, uh, Ed Lay, what can I say? But a very, very big thank you on behalf of everyone listening for a really, really interesting insight into, into what you're doing. Uh, thank you very much for, um, for indulging me for half an hour. <laughs> it, was, it, it took a long time to organise this because we're, you know, we're both busy and 
but you know we've stuck with it and i and i really do appreciate you giving up some of your time to share so much with us today so on behalf of everyone at the sandro forte podcast edley thank you very much indeed thank you very much so thank you for joining us once again on the Sandro Forte podcast with Ed Lay today. Wasn't he amazing? Uh, each week, of course, as you know, we've got a new guest joining us uh, to share their own insights into achieving success or overcoming life's challenges. So please make sure you subscribe, follow us on all the usual channels, Sandro's podcast, don't forget. And if you want to email us, it's hello at Sandro's podcast and reviews on iTunes, please keep those coming. And any suggestions as to future guests would also be gratefully received. Until this time next week with a new guest, bye for now.